Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our community on Facebook by searching The Gays Are Revolting. And now more than ever, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash gays revolting pod. Hey, bitches. All right. Hey, my little isolation <laughs> babies. How is everyone doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fine. Yeah, about the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's hard to. It's. I, I feel bad complaining because I know there's a lot of people in a lot of worse situations than I'm in. But fuck, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's happy really now hard. to actually be able to go for walks now and actually leave my house. Yeah. Definitely. Also, I can see my boyfriend, which is a plus. Yeah, um, very true. We mm-hmm. did a really nice little live podcast for our Patreons last Sunday. That was so much fun. Yeah, that was, it was I really good. That. We had a really good yeah. turnout. Um, Is that what that was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry for how drunk I got everyone and also for pulling the ammo out. No, I'm not sorry yeah. for pulling the ammo out. No. I do that all the time. <laughs> no. um, but we will be going live again on Sunday the 19th for our patrons. So, um, yeah, tune into that. It was a lot of fun. At this episode, we're joined by queer writer Shannon Malloy, uh, who's talking about his new book as well. And um, it's a really great interview. So yeah. I-, I look forward to sharing that with yeah. all of you boys. Yeah. Now, the world keeps spinning, even in a global pandemic. Uh, so we're going to take a bit of a break uh, from the COVID-19 topics this episode. Yeah, but there are still some very important developments that are happening around the world. So it would be great to touch on those just before we do jump into the episode today. It's um, hard to record a podcast in isolation and not talk about the Miss elephant thing, in the room. <laughs> Miss yeah. Rona. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, which personally I'd been dreading since the first like announced case over 100 days ago, because mm. I think we're coming up to the 100 days mark, is mm. that Australians are currently being urged to show kindness, especially in the face of racial discrimination. One of the most amazing things about Australia is it is a cultural uh, melting pot of so many different and diverse uh, cultures and people, but we do have these spikes in unpleasant, you know, we've got Pauline Hanson, <laughs> fucking hell, like we're not always the best at it. Um, no. So I just wanted to raise, you know, there's been, if if you've been following the news, there's, there's been some really sort of targeted attacks, particularly towards people of Asian appearance. And mm. I, I've felt it myself. I think you like any person of any complexion other than white Mm. uh has felt probably eyes burning on them when they've left the house despite being and you know i i I saw a lady the other day in like essentially a beekeeper outfit she was (laughs) she turned it out like she looked great (laughs) people were like it was not nice the way that people were reacting to her presence because she was Mm -hmm. clearly an an asian woman i think part of the problem is this 
naming of it of being like the Chinese virus or giving yeah. it yeah. A, a clearly racist name. It uh, it's time for that to stop and mm. and realize that viruses and pandemics don't discriminate. It isn't an Asian virus. It isn't transmitted particularly by Asian people. And more now than ever, we need to be empathetic and compassionate and kind mm. and embrace the fact that the multicultural nature of Australia is what made it makes it what it is today. So the next time you're craving some barn me or dumplings or whatever, get off your your. I, I, that, I don't want to sound mean or nothing. It's just awful, yeah. and and, and we all knew it was coming. Yeah, and I think this is like where you can really see differences in leadership. Um, and when you see people like Donald Trump specifically refer to it as the Chinese virus, compared to people like Dan Andrews or Jacinda Ardern yeah. who are calling out that kind of behavior and mm. saying that they won't they it, it won't be tolerated um you can no. really see a clear divide in leadership and like yeah a lot of the african american community at the moment unfortunately sort of mainly in like new york and detroit um a lot of the time people who are african american generally don't have higher paying jobs generally mm. don't have like health insurance like a lot of them because they are in lower paying jobs they don't have savings put away so mm. they have no choice but to sort of go to work and unfortunately a lot of these people as well live in houses where there's not only just one family you've got like two or three different families they're also living in apartment blocks where it's just mm. like just packed to the brim full of people and these are all like essential workers so the yeah. people who are working in warehouses in the food industry public transport yeah. and they just don't have a choice whatsoever mm-hmm. and it's um, also just the false information that they're receiving if they're saying, seeing the president on television who up until very recently was saying that it's a hoax and that it's a scam and that everything's yeah. going to be fine by Easter, um, a lot of people are going to listen to that and believe it and not take it as seriously as it, as it needed to be taken weeks ago in order for it to start seeing a curve by now. And yeah. unfortunately, we're seeing the exact opposite in America. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's frustrating that like they have an election going on at the moment and they're still encouraging people to go out to voting booths and vote. Oh, it's ridiculous. You're saying one thing that self-isolate, don't go out, don't see people, but you're pushing forward Mm. with an election. Um, There was one story that I heard of this one warehouse worker. He got infected and he unfortunately has been living in his car for the last week because he has a wife and three kids at home and he can't afford to go stay in a hotel Mm. or find somewhere else to stay and isolate whatsoever. So he's been just living in his car. And I was like, that's, that's this awful. is fucked up. Like, the American yeah. community needs to be doing more. I don't know if you guys saw the um, piece that Waleed Ali did for the project oh, yeah, that, that a couple great. of nights ago that's been shared a lot, around a lot. But it was it was a really, really good talk about how privileged we are to be able to mm. isolate. Mm. Well, he, it sort of looked at, at different countries around the world. One of them was India. And um, he had a letter from a doctor in India talking about how there are people having to um, build basically tree houses because they live in slums with many people in the same room and can't isolate. So they're isolating by literally building platforms in trees, many people in the same tree on different branches and stuff like that to try and social distance. And you sort of, you know, when it's easy for us to sit at home and start feeling bored and whinge Mm -hmm. on social media and that sort of thing. And yes, it is very difficult and there is a very serious threat to people's mental health and stuff from this social isolation here in Australia. But when we sort of put it in perspective and see what other parts geographic and demographic parts of the world uh, having to do to social distance. We're really, really, really privileged to be able to sit in our houses. It's not even just other places in the world. Like I said on our our live stream thing, 
people in our community are at higher, like double the risk of homelessness at any mm. given time. So mm. even here in Australia, you need to step outside your own self, especially within our community and think how are maybe potentially our trans brothers and sisters being affected mm. by this or are the young homeless LGBTQIA folk who are kicked out of home because of their sexuality. Mm. What do they do? Uh, self-isolation, yeah. unfortunately, is a privilege yeah. as difficult and unpleasant as it is it still isn't something that is mm. uh, just by default available to every single individual mm-hmm. mm. yeah. on a slightly lighter note though the the fda made it uh, a bit easier for queer men in the u.s to donate blood during this covid19 there's been a blood shortage brought about by the pandemic so they've kind of issued a reversal of their policy, sort of, but it's okay. more like you have to abstain. If you're a queer man, you have to abstain from sex for three months prior to giving blood as opposed mm-hmm. to the year-long ban. So, so I'm fine. Yeah, better but not great. And, and it, also, it also applies to sex workers, former drug users, people who have recently gotten tattoos and piercings, and all the normal people that would have to wait a year before giving blood. Mm. So they are a bit better, but still, still kind of discriminatory. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting seeing a lot of uh, laws and rules being changed. I, I don't know if you guys have been following the eviction moratorium that the, the federal yeah, government have announced for six months. Um, and it is very confusing. I've been trying to sort of stay on top of it. I mean, I'm very lucky to still be uh, working in my day job. I have been warned that'll end at some point. Um, yeah. So, of course, it is paying rent is something that I'm, I'm, I'm starting to worry might be difficult in the future. And it, it is really hard because it's sort of really unclear about what's going to happen at the end of that six months. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people are... It looks like a lot of people are going to have to then pay six months worth of rent. And a lot of renters don't have the kind of jobs where they, they can then be paying rent and back paying rent as well. Um, and again, as, mm. as Luke was saying, you know, it is a huge issue for people in the queer community because a lot of mm. people in our community don't have a backup. They might not be able to go home. They might, you know, not feel comfortable working in a lot of workplaces or probably better said, a lot of workplaces don't make it comfortable for them to join the workforce. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a little bit scary, This, this, the, the whole renting situation. Mm, it hasn't really yeah. been laid out clearly. Um, no. I know that our federal go- – look, I'll say our federal government, who I do not generally have nice things to say about, <laughs> have done some stuff uh, during this pandemic that's that's been good and effective. Yeah. But I do also think a lot of their decisions and a lot of their language has been around the fact that rich people like – the Liberal government and vote for the Liberal government. So um, they're sort of keeping those people happy. And I think yeah. this sort of vague, wishy-washy talk about this um, this rent situation is, is part of that, yeah. yeah. One interesting thing I saw, though, I don't know if you guys saw it, uh, Junkie did an article uh, about um, Joshua Badge, who's who's a queer writer. Yeah. Him and his partner live together um, in Victoria and uh, have lost uh, most of their income as, as they're both um, freelancers. So mm. uh, they'd written to their landlord or to their real estate agent asking if they could have a reduction in rent. And yep. the real estate agent sent back um, this form asking them to fill it out that listed how much they spend on things like Netflix, how much they spend on food, how what? much, uh, yeah, I know, how much um, superannuation they have because they they were going to try and force them to withdraw Take their superannuation. The yeah, which is you what? know I'm glad that that's there as an option, but I think no one should be forced to do it. It's um, illegal now to advise that. 
Yeah, well, so he wrote back to them saying, okay, well, before I uh, give you any of this information, um, I'm going to need to know how much the landlord spends on Netflix, how much the landlord's spending on food, how much superannuation the landlord has so that we can Mm -hmm. work out um, to make sure that, you know, that they're they're pitching in and and, uh, to prove that they're actually in financial distress. Yeah. And he's also, he's given a lot of tips for people uh, that find themselves in a similar similar position and written a lot of templates that people can use. So if you you are having trouble with your real estate agent, look up Joshua Badge uh, on Twitter. There's uh, a lot of stuff there that you can use. The gays on Twitter are in are in overtime at the moment. Oh providing yeah, providing the information oh, yeah. the government. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> can't. My real estate had a had an inspection here. You know, right as we were going into like stage oh, three. My God. Oh, oh wow. really? Yeah, they yeah, and they what? texted me. They were like, "Hey, Luke, just hoping to show someone the property like tomorrow mm. because they knew." some changes were coming in the day afterwards. Yeah, right. And I messaged him. I said, I'm working from home and I currently have a bit of a fever. So I actually don't think this is a very good idea. Did you actually have a fever? Yeah, I did. Like I was isolating until I could get in to see a GP and I was on the phone to the hotlines and stuff and they wanted to come in. And she was like, I don't want to name and shame, but she was like, oh, just head down to the park for like 10 minutes. And oh, we'll my just, God. Like, we no. won't touch any services. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't think you're taking this. Like, I'm sure this isn't the protocol that is being mm. provided to you yeah. at this time. So, it was just confusing. She came back and she said, no, we absolutely can do this as long wow. as there's not more than two people inspecting the place at any what? moment. And but it, it it's just a clusterfuck of information, yeah. and the queers on Twitter yeah. are doing an excellent job at deciphering it. I think yeah. mm, absolutely. One thing that I do worry about is that, like, obviously they've got this moratorium happening, and depending on what you organise with your real estate, people are going to start get evicted after this is all over, like because you can't. Uh, well, pay that's back what all that's what people rent. are worried like, about. Yeah. It looks, though, as though that they could then have, you know, a bad rental history and stuff as well. Yeah. Just mm. It's not clear enough yet. No. Um, and, you know, it's hard because obviously both the state and federal government are writing legislation left, right and centre mm. for things like JobKeeper and JobSeeker mm. and, and all sorts of other things. So, you know, there is a fair reason why we aren't, haven't got definitive clear answers yet, but it is causing a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. All right. Now that Miss Rona's had her moment, we did want to <laughs> bring you back to a to a different time, uh, a simpler time. Simpler time. <laughs> Much simpler. <laughs> Something really weird happened to us, and this is a yeah, personal yeah. thing that happened to us last year. A message went to our producer saying, "Hey, hey, doll, you probably want to have a look at this link." He went through to this link, and it led to a. 4chan-esque message board. I don't, mm. I'm not even sure if I want to name it because I'm worried yeah, that people yeah, would don't go and look it. at it. It led to this message board where people were had posted our photo from our mm. socials mm. and said, hey, who's who's got the nudes of these dudes? <laughs> I, <don't No. laughs> um, I think they also named the podcast as well, which I think yeah. it was showing up for some people in Google searches. Yeah. Mm. Looking at it a bit closer, I realized, oh, they were specifically, yeah, mentioning where we were, Mm. our names. And as you scrolled through the comments, people were dissecting like our sexual histories, what would discussed on the show. So who would be like easiest to catfish nudes out of to post on this site. And a little deeper digging into that website, realized that they were doing this internationally. It's uh, Oh my God, yeah. 
There were like yeah. hundreds and hundreds of pages of different yeah. little threads regarding people. So people trying to find upload, other people's nerds. People would nudes. upload a photo and say, "Does anyone have anything on this guy?" And then yeah. people yeah. would be like, "Oh, I spoke to him last year." Blah blah blah. Here is news. Yeah, news. and and uh, the, what really upset me was the the language that was used and oh, the um. It. it was come on, someone's got to have something on these guys. Someone had listed what suburb I live in because this is obviously when I when I was single. Uh, what suburb I live in and what hours yeah. of the day I'm usually on Grinder. Someone else had taken a topless picture from Mikey's Instagram yeah. and posted that That's in there right. saying, we just need Which, to get the rest of this because it was cut off. Sort of at the done, Mikey. We need to get the rest of this picture. Yeah. There was some really vile conversations in there. And then not knowing what the page was, was like, what Like what else, like what else do they look on? for? Yeah. And yeah. saw other chains, is that what you call them? Uh, threads um, oh, on yes, other yeah. Australian entertainers, some of whom I'm friends with. And even people posting pictures of ex-boyfriends or Awful. enemies or trying to get pictures of people they don't like and that sort of thing. It was really disgusting. Yeah. The worst thing about it was it was an anonymous platform mm. so people could basically say whatever the fuck they wanted to yeah. without the repercussions and history has proven when you provide humans complete anonymity they we don't tend vile. to <laughs> use it in the best way so a lot yeah. of the the comments checking out other threads on there were incredibly racist mm-hmm. or extremely negative towards people's it's uh, like all the people that write no fats no femmes mm-hmm. on grinder like that is all these people in a forum there was a chain of this is really disgusting and upsetting and, and sorry if this triggers anything for anyone but there was a chain on there of people trying to find the nudes of that guy who had died at the bombing at the Ariana Grande concert in no the UK. way yeah it was, was an Ariana Grande what? concert wasn't it yeah yeah in Manchester yeah. Yeah. The Manchester, Manchester yeah, yeah. So there was a ch- so after that had happened, and his image was released. People then went to this forum to see if anyone else had his. That's rates. twisted. It's That's disgusting. Mm. It's, it's fucked up. God. I was going through said site today just to sort of refresh my mind about what it was, and then I found a few people that I follow on Instagram, and I was mm. just like, "What the fuck?" And like they'd put in their email address, their oh, address. So they had like their work address as well, and so like I pinged them off to these people, and I was just like, "Do you know about this?" And they're just like, "No, thank you so much." I was just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Thank God, our, well, our the scary dad was so onto it, and he yeah. emailed them and asked them to take it down and they did well uh, the scary thing is Kyle though you have to go th- they make you jump all of these hoops and yeah, you have to send yeah. really specific information in order to have your stuff taken down and if you don't send it exactly how they want it sent they'll upload your email requesting yeah. for it to be taken down onto another site oh and they've uploaded people's emails in there that even includes their mobile numbers their addresses how is that legal that I just don't like, yeah. yeah I don't think it is um, but no. you know this is the other problem with the internet is you can base a computer in, in some country some you know country that doesn't have a law around this and, yeah. and it's, if it's running through there then there's not much that can be done locally yeah mm. on a slight tangent away from that so that was something that personally happened to us through mm. the podcast and our producer handled it really fucking well and got mm. the, the thread taken down yeah i think but, we were all kind of joking about it at the time we weren't re- like taking yeah. it very seriously but he was very onto it and very good and he was like no no like i'm taking this absolutely very oh, as soon as I read really it, I was taking it seriously. Yeah. It was pretty disgusting. Yeah. It, it Especially took a while trying to, to work out it. where we lived and stuff. It was really gross. Yeah. yeah. You know, what happened to us, I wouldn't classify as what people were now calling revenge porn because no. they had no malicious intent. They just wanted to see us naked. But this study found um, that gay, lesbian, and bisexual people are more likely to perpetrate or become the victims of revenge porn. Mm-hmm. Porn, sorry. I have a lozenge in my mouth. Um <laughs> 
you know, uh, from a object like a personal perspective, I can see a really clear link between that in that as far as my the people that I know and the circles that I run in, we are all much more active in the online dating scene mm-hmm. and meet a lot more of our partners through apps and therefore mm-hmm. start off on a level where we are sending suggestive photos. Speaking to JB, who's like dipping back into the dating pool, I was showing him my backlight sort of thing being like, you, you know, when you want to take your dick pics, you want to use this <laughs> sort of thing. And he was like, no, nah, I don't do that. Like I've yeah. never done that. I, it's not a thing for in his bubble of heterosexuality. Yeah, Whereas yeah. for all of us, I'm sure our camera roll has oh, um, yeah. a number of uh, explicit photos of ourselves. And it isn't our nature that makes us more likely to become the victims or perpetrate revenge porn. It's just, I think, the access yeah. and uh, our attitudes towards um, sending and receiving nude mm-hmm. photos of ourselves are different to heterosexual people. So yeah. I, I appreciate the study, but I think the perspective there is not on our nature or our intent it's just yeah. the fact that our content is more readily available have any yeah. Oh, yeah have any one of us had people try to use nudes against them before like they've not been nudes? threatened with it but i have been sent my own nudes as like a threat like so or just well i don't know i, I don't know whether they were subtly threatening me or they'd stolen them off someone else and oh. then didn't know that they were sending me my own dick pic. <laughs> oh, oh I didn't, do you know what I mean? Okay, so, so I was they were like sending it as someone. themselves. Yeah. yeah, I was chatting to someone. And they were catfishing you to you. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know whether that was, like whether they were doing that on purpose as a mind fuck or, or just or what or a who knows, dick. You know? <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm a bit worried about it at the moment because I had an ex-partner this lozenge, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, my God. Why are you doing this now? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to cough through the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had a relationship in the past with someone who basically had the passwords for all of my social media sites. That same person has a lot of very explicit mm. content, videos, yeah. photos, whatever. It hasn't happened to me yet, but it, it's something that is a building anxiety for me. Um, mm. They weren't taken or filmed for anyone else to ever see, yeah. which mm. is different to like taking a tasteful nude or whatever to yeah. share. Yeah. Everyone has like, their own personal relationship as to how they feel about their nudes being seen. Absolutely. You know, there are people that make a career from putting porn into the general universe that, that they know that they're not going to have control of. And oh, totally. So, totally. I, you know, there's a very different mind frame than someone that is that might be quite mortified by the fact that someone else has seen mm-hmm. their nudes. For me personally, it's not the fact that someone's seeing the nudes i mean i took them I, i've sent them to people and that yeah. sort of stuff it's about me not consenting in that transaction so like of not being in control i'm not in yeah, if someone yeah. was to threaten me put it this way if someone was to threaten me i would say fucking do it yeah, I'll take the yeah i've sent them it. to half of melbourne anyway <laughs> do yeah. it you have no power over me what yeah. upsets me about it is people trying to use it as a, as a position mm. of power i guess mm. yeah trying there to was manipulate there was a big something. story exactly. about a year ago because you remember when like all the celebrity uh nudes were being leaked on the internet there was like hackers and stuff and then um I think yeah. it, it happened to Bella Thorne, the actor. Yeah. This guy, I think, was threatening her to uh, leak all her nudes. So she had this big Leaked moment. And I think she had a big speech on Twitter and she was crying. Mm-hmm. And she just said, fuck it, I'm taking the power back. And she uploaded all her own nudes and she just put them out to the world. Amazing. She said, you won't have power over me. She, yeah. It caused a lot of controversy and people were, like on The View and stuff. Like, um, <laughs> on the, on yeah, the View. Fucking on the, the View. view. Saying she shouldn't have done that. And I think the no, thing I think that's a great way to do it. No, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. It, yeah. yeah, but I think they're just maybe an older crowd. They don't really understand. 
Yeah, um, my personal yeah. rules, which only apply to myself, I'm not suggesting this works for anyone else, is mm. an eye for an eye in terms of you will yeah. see my dick if I see yours. Eye. Yeah, uh, totally. Or, or the other eye for uh, for an eye. Oh, and also, I can't remember who said it to me. It might have been my mother, but she doesn't speak very good English. <laughs> she said something like, if you send something to someone on the internet, be yeah. prepared for at least 10 mm. other people to see it. Yeah. Like, a, and if you're happy with that, okay. go ahead. Yeah. Because mm. I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us sisters been at the bar and someone sent you an unsolicited, solicited dick pic or whatever, and you've gone, oh mm. my god, and flipped your phone across. Mm. You know, yeah. it's a, look mm. what well, someone look just said, this. sort of thing. So if you're comfortable with putting that out, then that's your choice. But it's when someone takes it, takes that power away from you, and then puts yeah. it on a message. I guess message you could board. recommend good practice to be not put your face in the photo because that could yeah. be used yeah. against you. Yeah. I actually had an incident, I think, about a year ago or something. Okay. Duncan pulled up in his car and he said, hey, I just want you to know this random person has sent me the screenshot of, what? A com- of a conversation from the past that you've had with them. And it's like you. Okay. I don't know what they were trying to do. I think they were trying to pose it as like it was like a current thing. It was like literally out, yeah. like didn't know this fucking person like at all. And then, like, they just sent it in a DM to Duncan on his Instagram and being like, hey, they didn't say anything. They just sent it and then blocked him and blocked me. And I was like, Mm, what the actual fuck? Yeah. So he's like, I just want you to know. Yeah, literally just try, maybe like seeing me happy online or something. So, and really thought that they would try and throw a spanner in the works. And I was like, what are you trying to achieve here? Like, what the actual fuck is wrong with people out there? So Mm. it's twisted so just be wary everyone yeah Yeah. you're right i that's what i used to do with the the face in the pics thing kyle i would Mm. always just make sure i didn't have my face or Mm -hmm. any tattoo recognizable tattoos in the photo because then if someone says to you hey i've got this image and i'm gonna i'm gonna say it could just be any chubby 30 something year old guy (laughs) with the muriel's wedding tattoo on their leg I always do. I, I do a pan, so I start at the face, uh-huh. and then it's down to the cum shot, and then it's back up to the like post cum face. It's like a narrative. <laughs> it's like a story in three acts. Mm-hmm. But, but it's you, never. You can also like jazz it up with time. like different emojis over your face. I do feel <laughs> and other parts of your body. <laughs> I do like outfit of the day looks, but it's just me jizzing all over. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, 
And I'm super excited this week. We're talking to Sydney-based writer Shannon Malloy. Um, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us virtually through cyberspace. And um, congratulations on releasing your first novel. Also, just a very quick content warning that uh, throughout our little chat, we are going to touch on some sensitive topics like suicide. And if this raises any concerns for you, please call Lifeline on 131114. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, no, it's so good to uh, have you. Long time listener, first time interviewee. Oh, it's no not. way. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're happy to pop you, Cherry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, your book is a coming of age memoir called 14, and it opens on a pretty somber moment where you attempt suicide. We know this is a reality for many young queer kids, and I'm so sorry to hear that's something you experienced too. Um, 14 began with an article you wrote in support of safe schools that went viral. Why did you decide to flesh out this moment in your life? Well, when I wrote that article about four years ago at the sort of height of the ugliness of the safe schools debate, it was all inspired from uh, an afternoon on the train on the way home from work where I read a news story about a politician standing in parliament and saying that safe schools was just a way for gay men to groom children. And I was so, yeah, I was so disgusted and angry. And then I just sort of felt myself feeling this intense sadness. And I thought, if that's how I feel as, you know, a pretty privileged and and lucky 30-something gay man with a great life, imagine what 14-year-old me in regional Queensland would have felt seeing an elected official stand in this hallowed place and talk about people like me as being sex offenders. Uh, and so I wrote this, this op-ed, uh, pretty sort of um, raw and, and warts and all, and told this story about my horrible school experience and the day that I tried to take my own life. Uh, and I'd never told that story before. Only a handful of people close to me knew it, but didn't really know the depth of despair that I was living And one of the really beautiful things to come out of that experience was the messages from men my age who had experienced something similar, uh, from kids now who are still experiencing that kind of homophobia and hatred. But the thing that really sort of stuck with me for years was I got got sort of half a dozen messages from the mums of boys just like me who hadn't survived, who had taken their own lives (sighs) because of extreme bullying. And I thought, wow, there's there's power in this story that I've hidden for you know almost two decades. I should I should think about telling it, and uh, and here we are. I think it's really important because a lot of members of the LGBT community are so resilient, and we do have some dark moments in our history. And I think sharing it and letting people in to say, you know, this is where I am now. But these are the things that have that I've survived through and got through is really important for the community to see. Yeah, uh, we actually practiced before we started the interview because you mentioned you grew up um, in country Queensland in a place called Yapoon. Oh my gosh, the way you did said I, that. Did I get it right? Perfect. Absolutely and perfect. <laughs> now that was a Catholic school. It was also uh, very sports driven. Do you believe that attitudes towards homosexuality? Uh, fundamentally different in a sort of rural environment? Um, I know that from from my experience, it was certainly harder because of the fear of the unknown. Um, you know, there were no other kids that were, were pretty clearly gay like I was at my school. 
there were no adults who were gay in town or, or out at least. And the only conversations that were had about homosexuality and homosexuals were really negative. It was the slurs about AIDS in the 90s in the playground and then it was you know, the rumour and innuendo and these really bizarre ideas about what it meant to be a gay man and, and being sort of tarred with that. I, I've lived the difference that people have to cop mm. in rural areas. But in my day job as a reporter, one of my key focuses is on mental health. And I see the statistics every day and I, I dig into the real stories behind them. And we know that rural kids need mental health services much more than their city counterparts because of their unique struggles. And we know that uh, gay, lesbian and bi kids in the regions are six times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual counterparts. For trans kids, it's double that number. So there are, there are really serious issues in schools in supporting kids who are vulnerable, kids who are struggling and confused and kids who are sort of being, you know, tormented by by their peers. Um, I think it's, for small towns, it's, there's kind of just nothing to do. And so so when you're different, you become the thing to do, which is terrible. But yeah, small towns are are breeding grounds for doing nasty things when you're bored. Yeah. Well, here in Melbourne, we're starting to take them. We've got Dalesford, you know, on gay homosexual lockdown, we got... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're starting to take over these rural towns bit by bit and showing yeah. them what it's like and yeah. how they're living for it. But um, yeah, I think it's 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 super important, especially getting the messaging out that help is available in these areas yeah. as well. Um, telehealth, which uh, is a huge thing now, thanks to isolation, has actually was one of the first things available to people struggling with mental health issues in rural areas. But through my work, we didn't see a huge uptake in people taking up that option. And I think it's because the messaging wasn't there or the stories that, hey, this is available to you. Um, This is important as well. And Um, as you sort of said before, gays are, you know, we're resilient uh, or queers, I should say. Sorry, I keep I'm talking in in the context of myself. So, (laughs) you know, queer people are resilient. We've had to cop a lot of shit and, and we're good at sort of forcing through. And so sometimes maybe there's there's a resistance to reach out for help because we're so stoic, you know. Mm. It's important that people remember that help is always there um, regardless of where they live and what they're going through. And uh, you were mentioning being tormented by your peers before at school, but not all of the torment was from just the peers. It was the adults too in your life. So what what exactly happened there? Yeah, it's uh, the te- a lot of the teachers at the school that I went to were either they didn't care or they were almost a little bit complicit in the abuse. Um, mm. There were teachers who would ignore really horrible stuff said in, you know, history class about the Nazis' treatment of gays during World War II in, in Germany and Poland and beyond. And that was kind of laughed about, you know, like, oh, Hitler killed the gays. And oh, um, and then right through to other teachers who, you know, this uber-religious older woman who, you know, a, a kid asked in class one day, oh, Shannon Malloy's a fag. Does that mean that he's going to hell? And, oh, my God. And she said yes. <laughs> so, Did she really? Oh. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, one of the worst stories in the book, um, which uh, was the reason that I was at such a low point that day that I tried to take my own life, was when a teacher read a note that had been passed around the class, apparently written by me, 
professing my love for another boy uh, and read it out in front of everybody. Mm. Um, of course, it wasn't written by me. It was, you know, this sort of chicken scrawl handwriting and really weird sort of ideas about gay sex and gay affection. But the impact of that was was huge. I was, mm. I was a pariah and my life was never going to be the same at that school. Um, so the teachers were either just ambivalent or almost got a little bit of a kick out of watching the torment. So, yeah, that's that's a really disappointing um, aspect of, of my story. The, the really great thing about having you join us tonight is we actually have quite a few country gays who uh, regularly listen to our show and even joined our live chat you know, to talk to us about what it's like living out in the country or in rural areas. If you had to sum up something that a country queer could take away from your story, what what would it be? Um, I think the thing that, um, that I try to do in this book is, you know, amidst all the torment and some really heavy stuff, um, there were moments of, of light and hope and love. And that's the message that I really want to get across is that, you know, it's it's kind of a cliche that's been robbed by corporates, but the message that it gets better is so important uh, and it's so true. You know, today's terrible day uh, is tomorrow's lesson learnt or recovery, uh, that da- bad days, weeks, months and even years in my case don't last forever and that there's always hope on the horizon. And even in this environment that I was stuck in for this year of my life or, or that I've documented in the book, I was a 14-year-old. I couldn't sort of move to a city and I'm sure a lot of people struggling in country towns or, or remote and regional areas can't just up and leave and move to Sydney or Melbourne because that'll make yeah. it better. But the thing that that got me through that horrible time that I was stuck in was the love and kindness of a few people, my little posse of girlfriends and my amazing mum and my great siblings. Um, and so I guess my, my message would be to look for the, the small acts and instances of kindness um, and lean on those people that love you. Yeah. In my 15th year of life, uh, after this, this period that I write about in the book, um, I got to go to the US as an exchange student. Um, I lived in uh, Connecticut with a wonderful family and we spent all this time in New York City because my host mum was from New York originally. And it just completely changed my life. Not only was it an, an amazing experience and just sort of ridiculous at times um, <laughs> how wonderful it was, <laughs> but but it showed me that that there was this wide world out there and that I could walk down the street without being attacked, that I could, you know, go and get a job and not be fired if they found out I was gay or yeah. I could find love and be loved and, mm. and find wonderful friends. And so... It showed me that the world was much bigger outside of Yupoon, which of course it is, but in the moment it didn't feel like it. Yeah. The woman I lived with was super queer friendly. She drove me to, you know, gay youth group and queer prom and all this sort of amazing stuff that, that was on offer. And it was just this unconditional support and love with no judgment or maliciousness in, in the discussions about what it meant for me to be gay. Um, and so it, it really changed my life and made me a, a more confident and resilient and hopeful person. Yeah. I couldn't imagine what the change would be like yeah. from Yapoon to, <laughs> to New York City. Yeah. I'd never seen men kiss in real life before. Oh, before wow. I went to New York. 
And then I was in Chelsea, I think, and it was my second week in America and I was in Chelsea in Manhattan um, at a gay cafe and reading a gay book that I'd bought from the gay bookshop down the road, um, <laughs> having a coffee, and these these guys were on a date and they kissed, and I thought, oh, my God, I've never seen that before. Like, it was incredible. <laughs> did yeah. you see drag for the first time? Did you see some? I some... did. I did. Yeah. Have, you, have you heard of Fire Island? Yes, yes. The, yeah. the gay mecca in the, in the Hampton Bays. I spent summer there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you did it big. Oh, you did it big. Yeah. Barbara, this woman I lived with, was just, like, eccentric and amazing and larger than life. And she took me to Fire Island for summer. And um, that was my introduction to drag, these like incredible New York drag queens that would holiday in Fire Island and do nightly shows and uh, it was amazing. Wow. And it would it would be hard to interview someone right now, especially as a senior journalist for news.com.au and not mention the impact that COVID-19 is having on yeah. our community in a broader sense as well. But as someone who spent time in New York, what does it mean to you to see the state that New York's in right now compared to when you were living it up on Fire Island. It's horrifying. Um, New York, I think, has been the hardest hit city in the United States. And they're, you know, I think it was two days or three days ago, they lost 650 people in a day in New York City, which is extraordinary. And they've now lost more people than in the 9-11 terror attacks on the Twin Towers. You know, this city has been absolutely decimated. And one of my colleagues, who's our North America correspondent, sent some pictures of a major hospital near where she lives in in New York that has run out of room in the morgues. And so they're using refrigerated semi-trailers to store bodies in until they... Like, this is is the richest country on earth and, and one of the greatest cities ever and it's just been brought to its knees it's it's so sad and horrifying and and it sort of gives me comfort in these measures that we're enduring which are really difficult but ultimately are are ensuring that we're not the next yeah you know us or italy or spain um it's just it's horrifying and having lived and breathed this story for almost three months now and writing about almost nothing else Mm. This is scary. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. Um, And as part of your COVID-19 coverage, you recently wrote about a hate campaign that a wealthy Melbourne couple had uh, had found themselves in. (laughs) What is that? What? (laughs) Can you give us some goss on that? This was the sort of light in a week of darkness. We were writing just never-ending stories about you know, rising cases and businesses going out of um, of business and people losing their jobs. And then along comes this just batshit insane story <laughs> from the Mornington Peninsula about this like uber wealthy couple. He's in finance. She's a like fashion entrepreneur, which means unemployed. Um, <laughs> they, they went to Aspen skiing with a group of 20 of their equally rich friends and then came back and were told, you have to self-isolate for 14 days. It was before the mandatory quarantine, but they were really strict and really, you know, you have to do this, you can't do this, you can't go out, blah, blah, blah. And then apparently they were, like, going to swanky fundraisers in the city. They went to, like, an event at a school. They were playing golf. And people in in the Mornington Peninsula were, like, gossiping about, you know, oh, so-and-so... Um, just went and had brunch at, you know, somewhere and 
she was drinking champagne. She's not at home. And um, and it became this whole nasty sort of <laughs> smear campaign. And oh were, locals were backgrounding journalists and sending them pictures that they were like, they were hiding outside their house and photographing them whenever they apparently left. And it was just, it was like civil war <laughs> amongst yeah. people. Oh um, while, while normal people are coping with, you know, job loss and uncertainty. The, the filthy rich are, you know, involved in Gossip Girl for really boring people. Um, mm. <laughs> it was just amazing. <laughs> you know what, though? My brother, JB, does the same thing, like to a much lesser extent, but when he goes grocery shopping, he'll come home and, like, sit down on the couch and be like, look at this, and he's taken photos of, like, <laughs> anyone that's in a group of more than three people. And he'll be like, count them, count them. There's four. And like, like he spills the tea, sis, on all of these Yeah, people. I just spend um, the afternoon out looking through my louvers, like screeching through. Yeah. <laughs> like, get away from her. <laughs> I scream from my balcony sometimes because I'm right in Richmond. And I'm going like, there's four of you. There's four of you. Um, but I, oh. I, I think the light is as important, similar to, to, you know, the positive moments when you were growing up. Um, we're facing another really tough time for our community. Uh, one of the things we're very, very, very good at is finding the bright and light in it and, uh, and you know, a little bit of shade from a wealthy yeah. <laughs> towards a wealthy Mornington Peninsula couple is, um, you know, Sometimes just what the doctor ordered, yeah. other than social distancing. And, and yes. Uh, now you've also worked. I don't. I, is there anything you've not done, <laughs> Shannon? You've you've also worked as a political advisor um, for the Labor Premier of Queensland, Anna Bly. How do you feel our government leaders? There's a lot of criticism, obviously, out there. But how do you feel they've handled the crisis? Oh, I think. Something as enormous as what they're undertaking, which is unprecedented, um, is is always going to be received in sort of a mixed way. Um, no one loves that you can't go to the pub anymore or that you can't really leave your house or see your mates. And nobody loves that jobs are at risk and the economy is is in a really precarious state. But I think most of them have handled it pretty well. Dan Andrews is phenomenal from an outside, you know, a New South Wales view. Uh, he's doing really well in being firm, but also being quite reassuring. And I think that's what a good leader does in a, in a time when all the chips are, are down or whatever the saying is, you've got to bring people together and, and unite them to do really difficult things. Um, yeah. And I think he's doing that pretty well. Um, also, I love his social media. Like there's a bit of humour you know, like that meme that went around uh, where someone cut up his his press conference saying, now's not the time to go and get on the beers. And they made this like <laughs> remix of him just saying, get on the beers, get on the beers. They I love a good remix. The internet yeah. has a lot of free time nowadays oh, to do seriously. all this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he, he went on Facebook and said, I can't wait for the day to say, now it's time to get on the beers. Like he's, you uh, know, he's... He balances it well, I think. Yeah. Um, Gladys Berejiklian's doing a pretty similar job in New South Wales. She reminds me a bit of Anna Bly in in that sort of warm, you know, reassuring person in, in a time of crisis, which is what obviously Anna's leadership was defined by in the floods and the aftermath of that. Doing the tough work, working around the clock, but also being there to tell people that, you know, it's going to be okay, we will get through this, but there's a bit of pain that we all have to endure. 
Mm-hmm. It's a time for strong leadership, I think. Yeah. But at the same time, from an empathetic place as well, is the the balance. And from from my seat in the peanut gallery. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure having you here, Shannon. Here in our ears, it is not in our recording studio. But um, where can people pick up your book? It's available in all good bookshops, uh, although most seem to be closed. <laughs> local, lovely local bookshops are doing uh, free home delivery and that sort of thing. So support your locals if you can. Otherwise, it's available at all the major retailers. It's also an ebook and audiobook. Ooh, audiobook. Uh, I was going to say, can you get a little Kindle going or something? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Very, nice. mm. Very good. Thank you for chatting to us. I really thank appreciate you. your time yeah, and thank your, you. your, your message. My pleasure. So. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks. Well, that's the end of another isolation episode. Nice to catch up with you, ladies. Always a pleasure. Always good to chat. We've turned from girls to ladies. That's really <laughs> classy. <laughs> I forgot to tell you this. I was, um, my boyfriend and I had a little chill night on the couch the other night. And we were, he was like, oh, can we watch um, Parasite? Oh, oh it's yeah. Such a good yeah, it's such a good film. Yeah, but I got confused because I don't, I'm not up to date with my, I, everything I watch is like made before 1980. So <laughs> I got confused because the other film that everyone else is watching at the moment is Contagion and it's got sort of similar oh, names, Parasite true. and Contagion. So I sat down and we started watching Parasite and for the first 45 minutes of the film, I was waiting for everyone to start dying of diseases. <laughs> oh. And of course the film, I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but is yep. absolutely nothing to do with that and completely different. <laughs> Can't wait to see what I think I'm going to be watching tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Stick around. We will be doing a after show for our patrons. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't yet subscribed to that, you can sign what up for it. What else do give patrons get? Well, they get the after show. They get the live. Mother drunk live. Drunk. <laughs> <laughs> drunk live next next Sunday. Um that's right. Yeah, sign up at patreon.com slash gazerevoltingpod. And yeah, if you signed up prior to uh, Sunday, we'll be doing it at 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, mm-hmm. And you'll get a little notification through Patreon. Yeah, come have a wine with us. It was really fun last time. That's it. it was I got really so good. drunk. I got yeah, so, so drunk. <laughs> well, thank you for sticking around, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 